Hello and welcome. Um, you're listening to A Conversation for Change with We Can Make and Onion Collective as part of NOAS Media Centre's Come Together project, exploring how we can connect through a mix of digital and physical or hybrid spaces. I'm Martha King, Arts Programme Manager at Knoll West Media Centre. I'm thrilled to be here today on this sunny autumn day, hosting a conversation between We Can Make in Bristol and the Onion Collective in Watch It. Um, would you like to say hi and introduce yourselves from Watch It first? Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, so I'm Jess, um, one of the directors of Onion Collective. There are five of us. Um, and I'm joined by Georgie, who's another one, hi. another one of us. Um, we're uh, coming to you from a pod, <laughs> a small pod on the top of our new building. So that's quite exciting. And we've just been chatting about this cargo net that was installed yesterday. So we're we're pleased about our space slightly bouncy <laughs> that's amazing so you're sitting on a net suspended in one of your pods wow yeah, exactly. and uh and i'm here in bristol with melissa yeah mm -hmm. hi i'm melissa and i'm the director of we can make um, which is our citizen-led housing um, initiative and we're in our little recording studio at norwest media center which has got a lovely calm hushed feel around it very cozy <laughs> Nice. Um, and We Can Make and Onion Collective are both amazing examples of initiatives or organisations who are making the seemingly impossible possible. Um, can you just tell us a bit about what you're working on right now and, and what you've recently been making happen? Well, we are six weeks into uh, the opening of our uh, brand new cultural venue called East Key. So it's um, galleries and 11 artist studios and accommodation pods and education space and a restaurant and a courtyard and paper mill and geology workshop and essentially a whole village of creativity and um, things to do and visit and see um, in kind of really extraordinary contemporary architecture that is a base of con pink concrete, got a pink building. And then on top, all of these kind of crazy buildings like this pod, and two of which are on stilts. Um, so it's this kind of bubbly, bubbly mixture of, of creativity and architecture and thinking and democracy and community and culture and all the good things. Amazing. And I, I came to visit a couple of weeks ago and was absolutely blown away by how amazing it is. So everybody should go and visit for sure. <laughs> Um, and Melissa, would you like to say a bit about We Can Make? Yeah, so so We Can Make is all around um, unlocking microsites um, for community-led affordable homes. And um, I've actually just come from being on site today with one of our first homes that's being built. So I was watching, um, so we were using modern methods of construction, which is kind of digital um, uh, uh, fabrication and design tools. And um, so we've got these kind of wooden timber cassettes that fit together a bit like Lego. So I was there with Tony, our, one of our first future residents, um, live on site, watching the wall cassettes that she made in our factory being assembled and put up. And wow. uh, a lovely moment where she actually had the door frame for her door and stepped through into her house for the very first time. And it was like, oh, this is like proper magic. So it was very, 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 very nice. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, that little microsite, we kind of, talk about it in terms of kind of like being like urban acupuncture so a kind of pinprick of that little house that little microsite and that home for tony and her daughter amantia but then you start you know what's the other kind of like 
bits of value that start kind of like uh, emerging from that. So, you know, creating local jobs and building social infrastructure from that and connecting people, which is, um, that's the kind of like the exciting thing that we're trying to do with We Can Make, that it's not just, you know, delivering units. It is about kind of creating homes and kind of trying to create that really um, engaged and kind of thriving neighbourhood, but starting with those microsites and seeing what else we can kind of create from that. Understanding it as an ecosystem. Yeah, totally. Wow. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we've been talking a lot recently about this building. Like so many people come, all these journalists turn up, want to talk to us about the building. Well, that's what we think they want to talk to us about. And then as soon as they get here, even though it's this crazy building, very, very quickly, it turns into a conversation about all the other stuff around, like all the other stuff that happens because of the building. And the building's good and fun and it seems like the big thing, but actually it's like, the things that are possible as a consequence of the building that that matter really they don't tell the architects that <laughs> i mean totally yeah like you know we can make as a is a housing project but really that's just actually just the beginning of something yeah yeah um, it's all it, absolutely all the wider relationships that it kind of unlocks and builds from it is that's where the magic is yeah. exactly it's like the buildings are just the physical manifestations of all of the other conversations that you've had and all of the benefits and all the activity inside so it's it, it's that where the, that's where the magic is and then the buildings hold it can you say a little bit more about um that that magic like in terms of your sort of approaches to making change in a way that's really community-led and how you work with communities well, I, we were talking about this the other day as well. So um, there's magic that happens in conversation. So I've, my my current favourite thing is that community is really just conversation and it's different conversations that happens in different ways, whether that's on the doorstep or whether it's out in the street or at the pub or in the supermarket or in a room where you're having an organised conversation. But when you can bounce ideas off each other, it sparks ideas and, that, and then the magic happens and then it, it energises people. So when people have been feeling like, oh, the world is burning, I can't do anything about it, I don't know what to do. You need to be in a conversation with people who are saying, what about this, what about this? And then, it, then the energy goes, pew, 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 and everyone gets excited. And then it's like, oh, actually, we could do that because if we borrowed so-and-so's power tool and we used the materials that are over there and we got Eleanor together who's really good at da-da-da, and, th- and then before you know it, you've got you've got a whole project and and that's sort of how Eastkey came about really. In lockdown, I think we struggled as an organisation to continue to do and be connected to people. And we knew that was partly because we weren't able to do, you know, a big meeting or events or these things, but actually it was also just the like stop and chat conversations. Like it was the people you bump into crossing the railway bridge or whose dog you pet. And where in those little conversations, people say, oh, what's going on, East Key? Or I heard this, is it true? And because all of that disappeared and the standing at the bar disappeared, you know, we lost all of this connection, didn't we? And it, it, it was quite difficult during lockdown here. There's a lot more fear, a lot more anxiety. People got worried again about what was happening. Mm. Really not because, yeah, we didn't do posh formal workshop, but because we weren't just stopping and chatting. Mm. And so that, in, in lots of ways, that's all community is, isn't it? It's like the stopping and chatting. But to all these people, you would never really, they're not your friends in any meaningful sense. They're not going to come to your wedding, but you stop and chat to them. And that's the sort of web of it all, I think. So we sometimes talk about kind of deep hanging out. You know, it's hanging out at the chicken shop and the tattoo parlour and the hairdressers and the community yeah, cafe. 
it's all of those kind of you know that's where the kind of the ideas kind of kind of you know bubble up from isn't it yeah i think you know when we were trying to be just beginning with we can make that conversation is really important so we actually you know okay we want to do housing differently how do we do that and so we actually did it as a chat show so ideas across the world and then hosted by two local residents to kind of like, you know almost interview the ideas um, and then we used uh, the game of snog, marry, and avoid uh, to test those ideas. So, you know, get grab a load of ideas from Singapore or Amsterdam, housing there. And then, all right, would we try that out in Null West? No, we definitely would not. Well, I'd snog that idea, but I'd, uh, I'd definitely avoid that other one. And, that, and that's a really good point as well about fun that we learned early on. If only councils got a grip of this, but the reason why nobody comes to the poster that says, have your views. Is because it just it's so boring. Like everyone wants to go to a quiz show that's snog Murray avoid. That sounds brilliant. I want to come. And it's just yeah. that sense of fun. And and it's just, it's the same thing about different perspectives and different voices. If it's fun, you get the different voices. If it's not fun, you get retired, bored, middle aged white people because coming <laughs> after. And they think their voice should be heard. And, and, they, and what they're used to their voice being heard. It's normal. It's like, well, of course you want to hear my voice because my voice is always... So it's, so if, if you want to turn that on its head and hear the voices that you don't normally hear, you've got to give people a reason to want to come to the thing and it's fun and it's food and it's warmth and yeah. it's welcome. That's that's what brings people. And you mentioned there about the, some of the struggles around staying connected through lockdown. Um, do you feel that there are any that digital tools can play a role in, in increasing participation and um i don't know if maybe melissa you want to say about with we can make how how you kind of managed or juggled some of that balancing between can finding finding ways still to connect maybe through different ways uh, yeah i mean we felt this really sharply like on on the eve of lockdown we were just about to start a new project called making together because I think, you know, part of things being fun and kind of participation being meaningful is about kind of making stuff together, isn't it? So, um, you know, we had a project um, actually called Making Together, like trying to put digital construction uh, tools in, in the hands of community members. And we had a really great crew of local people recruited and we we're ready to go. And literally the day of lockdown was our first workshop that we were meant to be in the factory playing with all these tools. And so, you know, we had to kind of pivot really rapidly, like a lot of people did during lockdown, and think about how are we going to do this differently? Um, and how do we still get these tools out into people's hands? So, you know, that was very much kind of making sure we could get kit out to people and um, working out, actually, one of the things was working out what buildings near people's homes people could go and get free Wi-Fi from if they kind of sat outside it or outside our building to do it because everything was sharp. Um, and getting kind of a mix of um, digital tools in terms of computers, um, design app, but then also some physical tools as well. We made some like, you know, little models and kind of um, jigsaw pieces and Lego pieces that we could get out kits to people. Um, and I think then it became, we had kind of like, you know, a regular weekly check-in. And that became really kind of powerful space for everyone. And it became that kind of social support as much as um, designing something together. It had that kind of yeah, you know, became kind of crew, became family, and that was really important. So I think digital tools can help help do that, but need to have a mix of other real things as well, or else they do feel a little bit abstract. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a couple of things we did here that, I mean, actually thinking about totally outside of 
onion, but I happen to be the chair because I'm one of those people who gets involved in everything and can't say no. But I happen to be the chair of my daughter's swimming club, like amateur swimming club. And um, when lockdown happened, we started doing club night was always Friday night. Like everyone goes Friday night to the pool. It's quite a big deal. Keeps them all feeling like a team. And we replaced that with a Zoom call with absurd games, actually, always with absurd games. <laughs> and ran it every Friday through the whole, every time we got locked down. And actually, I thought it was a bit of a pointless waste of time to begin with. But it became really, really clear that it was quite integral to some of the, not just to the friendships, like, which was important, but this sense of kind of, we're still all in it together, even though we're all not able to see each other. And for some of the kids, like their mental health, it was really important. And when it didn't happen or we couldn't get the internet working, a couple of times I missed one because I was at a funeral. Like, it was really bad. And these, you know, this is 10, 11, 12-year-old kids who even just that simple act of having a couple of hours that they knew would happen on a Friday where they could connect with these people who otherwise they didn't see but who really mattered was quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think at Onion, what we did... The most important thing we did digitally during lockdown was small imaginations, wasn't it? I was thinking that. So we did this. Well, in fact, Phoebe's going to come and do a session, isn't she? Or we'll have done a session by the point this goes out. Um, this process of imagining a better future, um, which was a really intense week-long workshop of basically asking people from all corner, corners of our community like how they felt about economics <laughs> through the process of kind of meditation and imagination and then creative writing, all of which sounds like the last thing you would ever do on Zoom, but was kind of brilliant because it was on Zoom. I'm not even sure it would have worked. I don't know. It's so room. interesting because we were really anxious before. Yeah, we thought like, no one would come. Literally the idea of talking about economics and meditation in the same space, like, <laughs> it's like going to work. <laughs> um, and most people that turned up didn't, know what to expect either and lots of people there's a guy um john who's like a, a, an old um he does men in sheds and is an old union worker and he was like i'm, I'm coming because you've asked me to but is it for kids do you want me to help set up like what do you want from me and i'm like i just want you to play john he's like don't know what that means either but all right <laughs> and there's total cosmics and it was Well, when you meet Phoebe, you'll understand, but it's absolutely, and it sounds really glib, but it was transformational doing Mm. this thing where you allow meditation or storytelling or whatever it is to take you through a portal and you become different from the way that you think of yourself. So we were either ancestors or we were future generations or we were animals animals or plants or the sky or things like that. And And then we talked about the world from that perspective and it was totally wonderful but what happened so the four days was incredible and we laughed and we cried and it was beautiful and all this creativity was created so we did uh, collective writing we'd do this journey and then we'd all write on a google sheet together um and then read it out and be like wow and then afterwards there was a core group of people that had been particularly affected that were expressing real anxiety and grief about the idea of stopping Mm. Um, because they've been so isolated before and during lockdown and so deeply connected during this workshop that the idea of not having that support network anymore was really actually quite frightening. So we agreed that we could continue. And this was March 2020. Mm. 
And that core group of people are now, I would say, best friends. So they've been meeting um, on Zoom every week and the days and the time sometimes shift as people's lives have changed. But um, they now meet physically. And one of the um, one of the people was agoraphobic. And she particularly um, was interesting because she said during lockdown, her, she got her life, her life came started. alive. Her life started um, because suddenly everyone was online. You didn't have to leave your house. And she was able to organize all these online events and be kind of the best version of herself. So she particularly was like, I need this to continue because I can't, I can't leave my house and I can't, I'm, I'm really scared. Um, but now, and, and obviously we can't claim all the credit, a lot of other stuff's happened in her life, but she now comes to his key as long as she can see her car, that's her thing. As long as she's got an eye line of her car, she can sit and have a coffee with all of us. And it's so nice. And like her journey, and a lot, a lot of them are talking about this process of, imagination actually being healing like it's it's a place where because you because it's playful um and and anything's possible and it's a kind of safe space of non-judgment you can talk about your memories and you can talk about your hopes and you can be a, a dragon and it's fine and a fun um and and somehow that that's deeply healing in a way that none of us expected we, we thought we were talking about economics but it turns out economics is just life and it's just systems in life and it's livelihoods and lifestyles and, and and every single part of our life is connected to economics so us being worried about people not wanting to talk about economics we couldn't we could not shut them up it was amazing we were like but lots of it was i think like the fact that it was digital really helped right because it gave this sense in which you were like you didn't, if they'd been in a room and we'd have been like, okay, now pretend to be a great oak tree. <laughs> that's how you feel. Like, that's really, yeah. you'd just feel like an idiot, right? But somehow, because we were behind this screen, there was this sort of barrier that just made it a bit safer. Like, you didn't feel quite so embarrassed as you would do otherwise. It sort of gave a little bit of separation that somehow enabled people to be a bit freer, which I didn't expect at all. Because also you could turn the video off. So yeah. there was so we had um, a young person and they um, turned their video off at some point and then well with uh, somebody else they had Tourette's and ADHD so it's quite yeah. hard. Really struggled with the kind of everybody else's emotion particularly. Um, but then a few hours later came back and said, um, "Really sorry for not being able to participate, but I've written a poem responding to what we just did." Um, I don't want to read it out, but can my friend read it out? And we were, never heard anything like it. It was the most extraordinary, powerful, raw, moving piece of writing. Mm. And like that. Out of the digital Zoom call digital on Zoom. economics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we got a, a little bit of that kind of spirit with our making together because because we have our kind of core kind of cohort of you know, local people coming together each week over four months and um, having these bizarre tasks being set, you know, you know, talking about things like, you know, what works in the neighbourhood, what's missing from the neighbourhood, and then having some practical kind of tasks using kind of Lego bits or a design app to try out things. Um, you know, it was a kind of safe place to fail. Like some people really love the digital tools. Some people really love the really fiddly paper cardboard boxes we sent out to everyone. Um, 
but you know you were there present for you know an hour at a time with other people and with your buddy but then you could also go away and do it on your own terms as well and have a bit more time to it or think about it or do it how you kind of wanted to mm-hmm. uh you know john one of the guys you know he just like used the principles to make an entire huge um garden set uh, and another woman did that, you know, inspired her to completely remake um, the whole of her kind of decking outside of her, you know. So you kind of come online each week and then, then suddenly, you know, not just a little design task completed to kind of like the, what we were trying to learn about that week, but suddenly all these other kind of projects have kind of like, you know, come off again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people enlisting other members of their family because they didn't like the fiddly bits of the app. So they get their daughter to come and do that instead for them. So all these other little kind of networks and kind of, uh, changes happen because you had this thread going through because you knew you were going to come back each week and share what you'd done mm. um, through this thing. And I think then the kind of like the magic after we'd done that thing for four months, you know, being online, most of us not met before physically in real life at all. And then that magical moment when we were actually on site the first time with the design for a new pavilion that we've designed together to actually build it and that magical moment when you go ah meeting in real life which is yes. just yeah. lovely um wow. yeah yeah something very special and i think going through that experience of being digital and making all those mistakes and whatever else and forming those new relationships in that other space and then bringing that all to in real life yeah definitely richer definitely richer it's uh it's so interesting to hear how you've both been talking about um actually the real value of kind of mixing or moving between online spaces and in real spaces and how you kind of transition from those and and also maybe the it almost sounds a little bit like what you're both saying that maybe there's a a level of uh freedom that people can find in the digital maybe or it's also interesting to think about how we create those spaces of care like you said that actually it can feel really intense and intimate online and then what's the after how do you stay how do we really think about that whole journey and stay stay connected in that in between mm-hmm. and how do you transition people also into the in real life and moving between those it's um it really kind of throws up lots of interesting questions i think do you feel like this mix of using a way of connecting between digital and in real life feels like a good way do you feel it has a future do you feel it can help more inclusive participation yeah i think so i mean certainly i think that we were able to reach people who came to the imagination sessions that definitely would not have come to a physical thing partly because they could just click a button and see what it was like and leave if they wanted to and they could leave at any minute without anyone noticing actually so there's that freedom there um and there's also simple physicality, isn't there? I mean, like about a quarter of the people in this town have got some form of um, mobility issue that limits their their capabilities. So, you know, that's that's a huge number of people who wouldn't who aren't able or wouldn't necessarily be able. Well, you simply can't get from even just three streets away easily to somewhere. So, like that, I think that does really make a difference. But also, I do think I think there is this real question around. Um, and one of the artists actually on the, on the on the in this project, Martha was talking about the kind of introvert extrovert engagement and how actually maybe digital spaces and enable different kinds of people to be part of something. You know, East Key is an amazing place, but it's 
buzzy and full of people and there's music and there's things going on and there's always something, you know, and we're quite conscious of that. Like maybe we need to start having quiet mornings where actually there isn't loads of music in the cafe and we will really control who goes in the gallery because some people really don't want that environment. Like I think it's great because I'm an extrovert, right? I get all my energy from loads of people doing loads of crazy stuff. But that's terrifying, actually. Hard work and terrifying for people who aren't like that. And that's half the population, mm. even without even getting into kind of non-neurotypical questions or, you know. So I think I think the possibility for enabling access and spaces which feel safer or less scary or are roots in mm. um, is for, for a much wider spectrum of people than we would traditionally have kind of tried to cater for is really important. Well, it also allows the conversation to be global. So mm. the artist that was with us on our moral imaginations journey uh, was in Mexico City um, and she was gently making drawings as people were having a conversation. And every now and again, she'd say, I've made a drawing, do you want to see it? And we'd all go, whoa. Um, yeah, and we wouldn't have had her particular beauty if 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 it was online she would never have been able to come so there's a kind of geog- geographic and an emotional connection that you get online that's that's lovely and new I think we had you don't realize until you have something like a lockdown where you're forced I think there's, there's a challenge ongoing challenge though isn't it to make it ensure it still feels like a common experience you know yeah. you can create those spaces online or in real life but to make the kind of the the role that somebody can feel that they can kind of step into that space and kind of, you know, perform or, or participate. Um, I think the sense that, you know, equity is really kind of at the heart of that, that people feel they have got um, the kind of the tools and the means to do that. Um, we kind of use a, um, a kind of phrase quite a lot about being kind of low floor, high ceiling. So making spaces or tools really easy to step in or pick up and start using, but then putting no limit on how sophisticated or, what you might do with those kind of tools Mm -hmm. and I think there's there's quite an art in holding that space so it still feels like the same space so it's not fragmenting off that you know some people that might still be struggling with the basics of zoom you know we're still holding those um drop-in sessions now with kind of community members to go through the basics of that Mm -hmm. but then other people who are doing really elaborate kind of stuff with you know using the stuff really design and make things and do all sorts of things from music or film or coding it's like how do you still feel that like it feels like a same space or a common space um, and building the bridges and holding that in a way that feels still kind of like a kind of common endeavor. And I think I'm really aware of how you, you know, as we're coming out of this kind of, you know, lockdown kind of time, how you how you create those, you know, equitable spaces. Do you think it's a short term problem? Though? I mean, it, you know, it strikes me that we're all being all excited about this now semi virtual existence that we've got. But like my kids don't think this is interesting they live half their life online like they basically interact online all the time half of my nine-year-old's friends are via roblox until it shut down and then the whole world really collapsed but like they're already living this totally integrated virtual offer on offline existence that we can't imagine because we didn't well i certainly didn't quite grow up with that but i wonder whether you know a generation or two from now all these sort of how do we make it work and feel like it's okay questions will have just kind of, there'll be different ones, right? There'll be new equity problems. Yeah, and new- uh, yeah. I think there might be more because, you know, where we are, if you think about kind of community tech and infrastructure, 
it always feels like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're kind of like, you know, racing to kind of keep up where industry and commercial is. Mm. You know, the tools that we've got at our hands are nowhere near what um, kind of like, you know, the commercial se- sector has. So we're always going to be kind of chasing to kind of catch up. And then, then we've got to redistribute those tools within our communities as well, like, you know, to kind of pull that kind of, you know, into community hands. So I think it's always going to be this challenge. There's always going to be this kind of like evolving wave of more and more kind of automation and VR and everything else. That So I think there's always going to be this this kind of bridging kind of space that we're going to, you know. Um, it was, I think, maybe funny is the wrong word, but interesting when um, my daughter had COVID and the NHS phone line called up to ask her who she'd been in contact with and to trace them. <laughs> So she listed out all the friends that she'd seen since X dates. And then they were like, great, can I have their contact details, please? And she's like, I don't know. I just talked to them on Snapchat. Like, she, has, she has no concept of what her friends' phone numbers are. It's just... Uh, yeah, old infrastructure, huh? <laughs> yeah. But I, th- but I thought you were going to say she was list- she listed out a whole load of people she just knew from Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> so she might cast COVID on that way, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think bridges is a really interesting and important part of this. And our kind of methodology for reaching out is um, understanding who, who the bridges are between the different groups of people. And um, so we have a tool that I don't know whether we've talked about called Understory, um, where, which is a mapping tool. So one of our kind of primary um, understandings of how you build community strength um, and better democracy is to is to properly understand who your community are and, and where they are and what they're doing and what they're working towards um and so this tool is about understanding who is connected to who who's doing what um who works with who it really really helps us having that map when covid hit because we could see immediately who needed to call the food bank who needed to who was dealing with um, uh, shopping? <laughs> who could who could organise a community car? It just it, in an instant you've got that kind of information. Um, but it's and then the job of any community organiser is is to build and to nurture and keep it keep it going. But it also what is also interesting is it, it does is tells you how kind to some extent how power is distributed because obviously like as we all know right so like networking is the thing. Like the people you know are a really integral part of what your agency is, like how much power you have. And so you get this sense of, of what a community looks like and how well distributed that power is, like how spread out it is. Mm. And off in some places where we've done it, like so much power, so much connection is going through one person or two people, that those people are just really overly influencing the makeup of a whole community mm. and or at risk. Like if anything happens to those people, the whole community kind of collapses in on itself because nothing's webbing everything together. So it, it, there's these really interesting questions about kind of distribution of power and the networks and the connections and how they all fit together that then ask enable you to ask quite interesting questions about your community and make it a bit more resilient and challenge some of those things that otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't really see. You don't see that kind of visual picture otherwise. Yeah, I think it's really you know it's a powerful thing, isn't it, to have a visual kind of representation of the constellation of community power networks. <laughs> kind of really nice i mean we've yeah, got that it's really in, tangible isn't it yeah but making that tangible and visible is very powerful 
Mm. You know, we had a similar, you know, in the in the West, we've got the West Alliance, which is the network of all the community organisations and residents. And, you know, that COVID response from that network was amazing. You know, people adapted and turned into the, you know, the, uh, the medicine drop-off network or the food distribution network or uh, set up a food, uh, no, set up a clothing um, bank. So redistribution clothing, because it, it just highlighted how much, uh, people uh, clothing poverty came out of kind of COVID, and so how that network of Northwest Alliance was how to flex and and change was quite incredible, wow. and I think you know that's you know widely kind of recognised the power of neighbourhoods and the power of place was kind of almost rediscovered through COVID, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. it was communities, it was neighbours who were able to adapt really quickly and redeploy and and rethink things, um, hugely hugely powerful, much and much more quickly than. You know, either the market, which was which is usually quite disconnected, or the state, which is supposed yeah. to be connected, but in fact is this kind of big clunking slow thing. Yeah. And actually communities were quicker and better and faster and more efficient and more compassionate about adapting. Totally. And I think it loops back to our early kind of conversation about kind of participation and being inclusive and that idea of power. Like it definitely needs to be fun to be like make you know, ensure that people want to participate in it. But it also like you need to also redistribute power. There has to be an impact, you know. If if it's you know just if there's no redistribution of power, then it's pretty empty. Any participation in anything. So if it, you know to make it meaningful and worth anyone being involved, then it's got to kind of create an impact and change things, hasn't it? Whole thing about um um God, no, I can't remember. Sorry, my brain's not working. But self-organized. So 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 the fund brings people in. The mapping tells you who you need to be talking to, but it only becomes powerful and interesting is if whatever it is that you're doing is self-organized and not led by one organization. So the, understand, and the way to get there is understanding people's passions and what they really, really care about. And, um, and, and that's, that's, again, going back to where does the magic happen? It happens when people talk about their own personal passions and loves and feelings and then that that will spark the same with someone else and then they'll say we should do that we should get together and do that thing and and then if if an organization like us can help support that thing going on then you've got then you start to get some distributed power Mm -hmm. energy flows isn't it it's kind of mapping and kind of like you know uh, shaping energy flows and understanding hold the energy and and get people to realize that it is possible and yeah. I think we had this meeting with some meetings along the way. We had this, we were showing around some architecture students yesterday. Um, and we had this long conversation about like changing the world and like the end of neoliberal capitalism and all these things. And it ended up with, it ended up with um, the revolution will be small scale and distributed, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't sound very revolutionary, but is true, right? Like that is what will happen. That's yeah, yeah, my new my new favorite phrase. It's not my phrase, but I do love it. Which is, you know, the next big thing will be lots of small things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. I'm totally there for that revolution. Yeah. And I love how um, actually people is at the heart of all of this, and people's differences and people's individual needs, and also the importance of the connectors as well and the people that labor and that resource and and kind of tailoring and listening and kind of doing that connecting work and that actually what it sounds like from the way both of you talk is that yeah digital 
can be useful, but it's just another tool. It's like one of the tools that you can use when it's appropriate and when it's most useful to a specific group of people. That might even be people who didn't think that that was the tool they wanted or would have, would like to join a Zoom meeting, etc. But it's just that attend. It sounds it's really interesting hearing you around the kind of attentiveness to um, people and community and how a tool can help, a digital tool can help us map that. It can help us give us another way to connect differently. Um, but it just feels like, yeah, maybe it's just, it, sometimes there's all that narrative like digital is like going to save us. And if we all enter the metaverse, everything will be better and different, but feels very much the way you're, you're, you're talking is actually the tech itself doesn't need to be crazy revolutionary. Like, you know, you said you were going together in a Google doc was like useful at one point. It's like, how creative can you be in a way maybe with what you've got? It's just really a, another way of connecting. You know, we talk, everything we do really is that. I mean, we obviously we talk about attachment economics, but it's really just about these connections, isn't it, to people and to place and through time. And digital offers ways of doing that that didn't exist previously or brings in more people. But mm. it's just this craft of connectorship. That's all. That's all it is, really. Well, I think maybe that's a good place to kind of wrap up there um, and say thank you so much all for a really interesting conversation. Um, and I'm definitely going to take away um, community first and make your own rules. Um, yeah. And maybe, I don't know if you each want to say like a closing, something that's really resonating with you or maybe Melissa. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to that uh, favourite phrase of mine. You know, the next next big thing is going to be lots of small things. <laughs> and I'm really excited about all the small things that you're better connected to um, through, through some of these digital tools and all the other small things that we're growing. Yeah, and I think for, I mean I think I think the thing that was really um, that's important for, for us or comes from, for me is what we were talking about at the beginning. These like things that happen in the spaces in between that are like it's the it's the community that happens in between all these things that we do these projects, but really it's everything else around them that happens as a consequence of those projects. That's mm -hmm. really where it all that's where all the magic is really. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to pick up on this thing about. Um, by knowing each other and talking to each other more and building the movement, you build the momentum for, for, for the perspective that what we are doing is the normal. Like, this is how the world should be. And we know that because of Nudge and because of Squash and Liverpool and because of all of these different new guys. So, yeah, we just have to shift our perspective to, to like, this is, the, this is the way. The better future is already here. Amazing. <laughs> Make it together. Yeah. Brilliant. Ah, oh, thank you so much. <laughs>